welcome to another edition of the Church Builder Podcast. So glad that you're listening. I hope that you're enjoying these uh, times together. And I have again with me in our studio, Pastor Robert Berger from Lima, Peru. He's in town, and so I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to gain some of his wisdom and uh, to share a little bit of time together. Pastor Robert is the senior pastor of Camino de Vida in Lima, Peru. And uh, Robert, you guys have been there for 37 years. Incredible. Uh, built an amazing church that is there. And, and uh, as we talked about in our last episode, engaging in what's called Hacienda Iglesia. It's actually impacting Central and South America and literally Europe now, I believe, in Spain as well. And a lot of amazing things where churches are being revitalized. Welcome back to our edition today. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah. I, I want to talk today, Robert, about something that I think is not talked about much in our church world today. And I want to talk about the calling of God in your life. How do you? How did you receive God's calling in your life? And how do people perceive a calling of God in their life? What does that look like? How do they recognize it? How do they walk it out? There's a lot of things around that idea of God's calling. Again, it's not talked about very much in today's culture, church culture, but I think it's a vital, vital concept. Talk about your calling. You've been in missions for 37 years, and uh, I'm assuming that that just wasn't something that happened uh, with a good idea that you had. I'm assuming it was traced back to what you felt like was a calling of God in your life. Talk about your history of that, and then we'll bring it to some practical applications to others. Yeah, um, the Bible says the steps of the Lord, they're ordered. He orders the steps of the righteous. Mm -hmm. So I think the calling happens step by step. Yeah, It doesn't happen in one mystical moment where an angel speaks to you or something. It's it's a process. Over time, it's developed. It's fine-tuned. It's... Sometimes we think it's one thing and it ends up looking a little different, but it's better. Yeah. So with us, it was that I was in the Jesus movement, got saved. And the actual thought of missions, I couldn't call it a calling, but the thought was just a, an older lady in church. I call her a grandma in church that adopted this young hippie surfer and started talking to me about missions, told us some mission stories, handed me a couple mission books. And I read them, and it, she put a little bit of a fire in me. Mm -hmm. Kind of a challenge, too, when she said the hardest thing you could do for God is be a missionary. And, all right, I think I can do that. <laughs> that was your calling. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma. But then it went through a long process because I went to Bible school to study missions. I still remember one of my very first classes was Christian anthropology, which my definition of that teacher in that class was he was waxing eloquent on what missionaries eat. <laughs> and um, I have kind of a weak stomach. So uh, seriously, when I started looking at some of the things that missionaries had to eat, I changed my call. Okay. I went and I said, no, I'm not called to do that. I, I'm a pizza and Pepsi type guy. Right. I don't think I can do some of those things. And so from there, I went and changed the call. But missions kept coming back into me. The opportunity, the stories excited me. The stories of men like George Mueller, Hudson Taylor, and so many of the, the older guys, Jonathan Goforth, I can go praying John Hyde, reading their stories, they just were an inspiration to yeah. me. And it was actually, there was a moment where I really felt, no, missions is where I need to go. And it's funny because I just said, okay, God, I will go and I'll put anything down. But if it comes back up, it's your problem. <laughs> Speaking of food, I'm assuming. Yeah, right food. Side, yeah. And um, I've kept my part of the promise. Nothing has come up, but it's come close a couple yeah, times. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I've been with you on a few occasions where uh, I've uh, 
not had quite the same calling. I think it sort of came back up. So yeah, yeah. kind of stuff that she eats sometimes. Talk about though now when you have this calling. I think some people have this idea that they get this amazing divine calling, and then all of a sudden they just jump out by faith and go do something, and God shows up, and incredible miracles happen. But I know that's not the story for for you. It's certainly not my story either. You spent a lot of time doing other things before you were actually released into the mission field, right? And your your pastor had a lot to do with that and his perspective of that for you, right? Talk about that process. He prepared me for where I'm at today. Right. He really, really did. So I thank God for him. Um, I'll just say this. As far as the calling, it's not really that mystical. Yeah. He's not going to gift you for something and call you to something else. Good. Yeah. Your gifting will have to do with your call. Right. Sometimes we are gifted in one area, but we look at somebody else's life and we want what they have, so we try to copy what they have. No, don't. you're not a copy of them. Right. God gifted you for a reason, and it has to do with your call. Yeah. My nature, for example, is I tend to be more timid, a little bit more introvert. Right. I re-energize not in crowds, alone with a good book. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because God placed me in this massive church that I pastor crowds. Right. But I came to realize, you know, the people that talk the most don't always have the best ideas. Mm. God gifted me with this to sit back, analyze, observe, and then come out with an idea that I feel God has placed in my heart in those moments where I rebuild myself alone. So sometimes I wish I could be a little bit more charismatic out there, extroverted, but it's the gifting God has given me. And I've actually now use that gifting, understanding that God made me this way for a reason. So whatever, however God made you, he made you that way, and it has to do with your calling. So the personality that you've been given, obviously we all have personality flaws that have to be worked on, but the basic sense of passion and personality that you have is going to be linked up to the calling God has for your life, right? Exactly. I want to go back to to Pastor Evans just for a moment because I knew Pastor Evans as well. What an amazing man of God. And so when you say he was rough, it's not rough in the sense of anti-biblical in any way, but rough in the sense of he really helping you gain some discipline in your life that you needed. And I remember you telling, you preached a message one time on being a sent, not a went. And I think Pastor Evans really helped you to understand that part of the calling, that part of the calling is not just going and doing what you felt like that you wanted to do, but there was a sending process associated with it. Talk about that for a bit. Yeah, uh, so, so important to go with the blessing of the church. And it's so important, so important to leave. It's the principle of entering and leaving. Yeah. How you leave one stage is how you enter the next. And so to leave well. Yeah. You know, as a young Bible school graduate, probably 1978, the first time I felt God called me to Peru. And I had a letter from a missionary invited me to go work in Peru. And I went back to my pastor and I said, look, pastor, I have a letter. I have an open invitation. Here am I, send me. Yeah. And I still remember he looked at me, he says, you're in debt. You get out of debt and then come back and talk to me. And I was kind of praying the church would help me with that, you know. Yeah, right. But there were some character issues that I needed to deal with. Mm -hmm. So he says, when you get out of debt, come back and talk to me. Yeah. And that put me to the grill. I worked that whole year to sometimes three jobs, literally graveyard shift, cleaning buildings, cleaning restaurants. And at the end of the year, I was out of debt. Yeah. And I had a new letter from the missionary. We still want you. So I went to him and said, Pastor, you said when I'm out of debt, come to you. I'm out of debt. And here am I. Send me. Yeah. 
And he said, if you haven't won somebody here, what makes you think you'll win somebody there? Wow. So he says, I want you to work with some outreaches. And when you plant some families in our church, then I'll know you've got that ability. Yeah. So I spent the next year working with his outreach. And by the end of the year, I came back and I said, here's some new families in your church that I can accredit to the work we've been doing. Yeah. And I have another letter from the missionary. Here am I, send me, I want to go. And he said, you're too valuable now. I need you to come on staff (laughs) for a year. And so we went on staff for that next year. And by the end of that year, I began to realize he's not going to send me. So I actually, I need to go someplace else. And I remember I wrote a letter to Wycliffe. We got a letter of acceptance to go with Wycliffe. We got a letter of acceptance to go with another mission agency. And I came back and I said, Pastor, these agencies want me. Yeah, And he says, you're not ready because yeah. your heart isn't here. You're fired. <laughs> Go get a job. Okay, But you need to still teach in the Bible school and preach in my church when I travel. Right. So that last year I taught in the Bible school, got the best job of my life. God gave, opened a door where I had a great job, secretary, 150 employees, and uh, really prospered us in that job. I still remember when I told that boss, because my pastor came to me at the end of that last year, and he said, are you ready to go? And I said, let me pray about it. <laughs> um, so now the tables were turned. Now yeah. instead of him saying no, you were starting to say no. And right? I started saying no, but I still remember he just said pray about it. So I did, and the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart, seek wisdom rather than gold. Yeah. And the door's open now. So when I told my boss, I've been waiting years for this time. I didn't know it was coming. My pastor's ready to send me. My boss just looked at me and said, are you crazy? Do you know how much money you're going to make this year? Right. And I said, I know, but the door is open. Yeah. So 1983, we packed up my wife, two babies, seven suitcases, and moved to Peru on about a $700 a month income. And God has been faithful ever Incredible. since. Looking back, do you have any regrets at all about Pastor Evan's role in your life in that regard? And uh, what did you learn from that, I guess, would be a better oh, question. I'm so, so thankful. Like you said, the went and the sent. Yeah. I wanted to be a sent. Even without that, that if you'll be faithful to God and serve where God opens doors for you to serve and just do well where you are, that God will always get you where you need to be. I think that's such an important thing. A lot of people get caught up in their own ideas, their own dreams, their own thoughts about what their life is supposed to look like. But God gives you opportunities and he gives you situations where he's sort of testing you to see what you'll do with what's given. And then from that, he'll lead you to the next step in the journey. And that's been a lot of my story as well, just being faithful where you are and doing what you've been given to do in the moment, you'll find your way there, right? Exactly. God will find you where you are. And God saw me when Pastor Evans hired me full-time on staff in church. That basically meant I was a gardener, which I hate gardening. (laughs) Um, But my garden was really done well. Yeah. And I painted, and I'm not a good painter, Mm -hmm. but I painted the church several times in a few buses. Yeah. That was putting just some backbone in me, some yeah. stick to and, and that's what has kept me on the mission field for 37 years. Yeah. What would you say to someone right now who's listening and saying, you know, I'm not trying to discover my calling in life and I want to make sure I do what God wants me to do and I have these ideas and dreams in my heart to accomplish these things and maybe I'm not seeing it right now. It's not happening in my life right now and other people around me don't seem to see my potential. I think a lot of times, especially young folks will say, you know, they're not seeing the potential I have. Talk about how, how do you navigate that part of your life well so that you don't mess it up, mess up that journey and, and, and miss the mark with God. There are so many Bible examples to say what I'm going to say. Um, David, when he was the least loved son of the father, yeah. and when Samuel came to anoint the sons, he wasn't even invited to the party. Yeah. 
but God knew where David was. Right. He was out there with the sheep. And it doesn't matter where you are, wherever you are, do it with a good heart. Serve with excellence. Um, no matter what, where you are, God sees it, and he will reach down into that sheepfold and pull a David out Yeah. if your heart is right. So serve wherever you are, the vision of who has put you there. Serve it with excellence, with a, with a pure heart, and then in due time, God will see you, and he'll reach out and pull you up to where he wants you to be. You'll find your way there. I'm thinking about, even as you're mentioning that, as you, as you said a moment ago, so many Bible examples, but I'm thinking about Joseph, Joseph and how Joseph, yeah. you know, had this dream at 17 and it uh, didn't seem like anything was working out well. And uh, you know, there's sort of that idea that you have a vision, but then there's that death of that vision to say, you know, God, I'm putting everything in your hands. I'm putting my Isaac on the altar. And uh, for Joseph, it was that way. It seemed like things were not working out at all. He ends up obviously in Potiphar's house, and then from there to prison. But God knew exactly where he was. And Joseph, as you just said, he exceeded expectations everywhere he was. Mm-hmm. When he was in Potiphar's house, he exceeded Potiphar's expectations. He did he did everything well, so much so that Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household. When he ends yeah. up in prison, same thing. He does such a great job that basically the warden of the prison turns everything over to him. And then ultimately, through the dreams that occurred, he ended up as the prime minister of Egypt. So it really is God does know where you are. He does. And trust him, settle it in your heart. If this is where I end my life, I'm going to make this the best area. And if that's what God has, that's what he has. But trust that he will guide your steps. Yeah. And I'm going to say one more thing as we're wrapping up. I heard a statement, I actually read a statement. Again, this was by Jack Hayford. I read it several months ago, and it really touched my heart when he wrote this. He said, everybody is significant, but not everybody's prominent. There's a big difference. You know, all of us, a lot of times people, when they have these dreams about their future, they're dreaming of some kind of Mm. prominence. That is, prominence, really the root word there is something that sticks out, okay? Everybody wants to be a, a spiritual celebrity, if you will, unfortunately. But what we have to understand is that not everybody's going to be prominent in their ministry, but everybody is significant. If you're doing what God has placed you to do in that moment, if it's serving in a nursery, if it's uh, painting the church building, if it's whatever service that God has asked you to do, if you're doing it and doing it well, you don't need to worry about whether I'm prominent, whether people notice me or not, because I'm doing something that's significant and significant and God notices it. So, so good. Yeah. So good. It's it's that principle that those that seek the reward of men, you know, if you seek the applause, you got it. Yeah. Congratulations. That's right. it. But the Bible says that that which is done secretly, one day God will reward openly. Yeah, exactly. And there's so many that are just secret servants serving faithfully the glue that holds everything together in the house. And uh, one day their reward will be great. I think about here in our church, just all the many people that serve, I think, you know, that serve in so many categories that are not out front, but they are fulfilling a calling of God for their life. And I couldn't do what I do if they weren't doing what they do. And although they may not have the platform, they have the place of power and importance to make, contribute to the work of the kingdom. And so everybody's important. Just do the best you can right where you are. Serve God faithfully and he takes care of your future. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. A great promise for us. So, so good. Yeah. Robert, thank you so much for being here with us again today, and thanks for sharing some of your story. And I know a lot more of that story, uh, and uh, this uh, very intriguing, but thank you for sharing that part of it. And thank you all for listening today and being a part of the Church Builder Podcast. We'll look forward to seeing you and having you with us again on our next episode. 